Welcome, dear viewers, to Alatra TV India and to the project Creative Society. It is a project that is being conducted on Alatra International Public Movement Platform and is being uh, carried out by all people across the globe. And the aim of this project is to create conditions for a peaceful, free, uh, worthy of a human life society where we all would like to live. And in order to achieve this goal, we need to inform each other that is already happening. So that's why we are here today in this wonderful interview with you, and we'll discuss different topics on creative society. Welcome. And our Indian guest today is such a bright personality. It is Russell Fernandez. He is a corporate professional with close to two decades of experience in training and teaching. And he has a real passion for wildlife photography. And he also combines innovative learning methodologies with simple classroom techniques to keep all of his students engaged. Welcome, Russell. Nice to see you with us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here with you today. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And, you know, just the first question right away is about your work, because you work in uh, different fields and, uh, you know, different occupations, have, have so much experience in different fields. Would you like to share what is your inspiration in your life and your work? Well, uh, right from the time I was growing up, it was always nature. Nature always connected to become an inspiration. Uh, it could be a sunset, it could be, uh, you know, a rise over the mountains, it could be a tiger walking out in the open that, you know, it just lets you sit back and pause. And I think that is my inspiration, to have those kind of moments where you have to take it in from different perspectives, not just one way of looking at things. And uh, definitely try and look at things from other perspectives as well. Don't be clouded by your own judgment. Don't think that this is the only way to view something. So my inspiration, definitely, most of it comes from nature. A lot of it comes from my eight-year-old daughter, who is also a big fan of nature and her perspective on things. But uh, we'll talk more about her later. And that hope that answers the question. Sure, and you know what, what you talk about, the different perspectives, this is exactly what we need today, you know, to be able to look at our world and our society, our life from different perspectives. Since we're also today in a different time zones in different countries, this is an amazing opportunity. Thank you very much for it. Right. Yeah, thank you. It is really like opening borders and reminded us of a free world and also apart from the photography that you already mentioned uh, we would like to ask you about the about your educational activity because you work as a trainer and you also mentioned that you educate young people uh, right. and how do you think uh, when you educate young people how can they apply this knowledge practically in life and how can of children and the whole society benefit if the education becomes more practical. Right. So there are always two ways of looking at it. We can, you know, crib about the education system and say this is not right and that is not right. There's too much of rote learning. There's too much of things to remember, too much to have to put down pen and paper. But there's also another way to look at it. Uh, they do need that structure. They do need to learn certain things, to apply that at a different stage in their life. So you can't eliminate that completely. Instead, what I always try to do is I try to take something which is part of their curriculum, but tell them, no, this is where we shut the textbooks. 
and let's learn it in a way that you do not need to make a note of it. You do not need to go back to reference something. Your mind is your reference point. How we are thinking, how we are talking, how we are creating something step by step. Your mind is the best textbook that you can ever have. And uh, I think many of my students who know me will tell you that about me, that I don't look for them making notes. So I don't ask them, so what did we cover last week? No. For me, it's what did you learn last week? What did you learn through this week ahead? And uh, that is usually what I feel is the good marriage of what is in your curriculum because it's important and it's been put in there by experts. But what can I do as an educator to make that more interesting for you, to make it something that you will remember without having to make a note or without having to give an exam and worry about your grades for? Yes, exactly. And when you see how you can apply this knowledge, then uh, you, you, you see how necessary it is, exactly. So it's not, not a theory that you learned and forget just one time, but you see the result and get more motivated to learn. But, you know, what today we're observing in the consumer society that uh, very often people who decide to study one, you know, subject or to be, uh, you know, to have this or that job, the main um, intention is not to do what I love, but uh, maybe just because it's this job is well paid or there is, I don't know, other benefits of it. And in fact, um, not everyone can do the job that he, he or she wants, really. It's, there are different reasons. The lack of education. I, I mean, this education is not accessible to everyone, especially in different countries across the globe, or there is intense competition or uh, it is not that well paid today. So what do you think, which conditions do we need in a creative society so that everyone could do the job that he or she loves and just bring the benefit for himself, herself, and the society as a whole? Right. Uh, it's a great thing that you mentioned about, uh, you know, everyone not having the same equal opportunity. Because I think some of us have a privilege where we can say, I want to do what I love. But then you come across a lot of students for whom that might be a big luxury. It's a priority that, you know, I have X amount of years by when I need to put food on the table. Or, you know, I need to recover the cost that my parents have put in for so-and-so coaching classes. So it's not an ideal world always to tell them that, you know, do what you love. But definitely you can make them love what you do and find pockets of love in everything that you have. You may wind up with a desk job and that's not a bad thing. And that's what I always try to tell them. There's no such thing as a bad job unless it makes you feel bad about yourself. And you have to find ways to get pockets of passion. So the key word you'll see me talk to them very often is you may not have a job that you're passionate about, but find pockets of passion. Find time to do things that you love, which help you come back and do your job better. You could be into nuclear science but that doesn't mean you give up on your music and you find a way to get your passions and your career at a level where you can decide somewhere down the line, which of the two do I want to pursue? If you've done enough of nuclear physics somewhere down the line and you feel, you know, this is the time where I want to take a break. I want to go on and do some music. I want to go on and do art. Nothing should stop you because you should be in touch with your passions throughout. May I ask you a personal question? You was, before you switched to the world, uh, world photography and your passionate job, you uh, did completely different topics. I mean, you uh, worked in the global organizations 
what was your intention or motivation to make this big change uh, or how did you did do it? I mean, what was this uh, impulse to do so? Right. So I, I, really, I really wasn't someone who hated my job. I've always loved what I have done. And I was in corporate training with uh, Citibank. They gave me a wonderful time out there. I traveled the globe. I managed to do a lot of training batches. But I think if any of my HR managers are watching, they would know that I would always come and tell them, well, there's no challenge in this because I have to do it as per the script. I have to train people to not think out of the box. These are the replies that you have to give. And there wasn't a real challenge in that. And at the same time, I used to keep going back to my school and doing a few guest lectures. And I honestly have to say with no disrespect, one lecture with the seventh grader the kind of questions they ask you challenge me more than maybe seven years of corporate training because, you know, they want to know why. They just don't want to know what happens. They'll ask you and they'll ask you those questions in a class full of other students. So if you are open to learning, teaching is something so much more rewarding than training. And I know there's, there is a trade-off. Yeah, training allowed me to travel the globe, make great friends in Florida and in Texas and, uh, you know, obviously the perks that come with the training lifestyle. But teaching is something that I can tell you for 11 years that I've been doing it now, I haven't gone to sleep one night, uh, you know, worried about my work or worried about things. It's always a joy to go back to the next day. I'm one of those people that loves Mondays because I get into class and I see my you know, students uh, bouncing all over the place sometimes. And uh, that, that, is, that, that cannot be explained as to why training into teaching. It was always, I feel like a natural progression for me. Yeah. So it was uh, also this intention to, to learn more. I mean, if you educate someone, then you should be an example that you educate yourself and you're growing, right? Right. And children will challenge you to do that because they will give you that knowing look like, you know, I know you don't know about this. So you should not hesitate to tell them, listen, I don't know this, but I'm going to check on it and come back to you. And all I can say is that when I was a kid in school, I didn't have Google. So if the teacher told me something, I had to say, oh, okay, okay, that's right. But today with Google, Bing and everything, you can't just make something up. They're going to go, they're going to check and say, no, no, that's not what it is. So it's always better to learn, to tell them, hey, I don't know this, but I will get the answer for you. And I think that's a better approach in life altogether. It was so great to hear from you that uh, for you coming from corporate training to education at school, it was a progress because for so many people, career is like going like, I don't want to teach at school. I want to work with corporate world and with some great companies and travel the world. And uh, it like it, it really shows what uh, real values uh, you have. And a very interesting point was uh, you mentioning about children, how curious they are. And it really shows that people like we humans are born with this natural curiosity. We are open to world. We are open to new ideas, to something new. And it is like the entire system that uh, doesn't let us re remain curious. And as you say, in corporate world, people often uh, just kind of think out of the box. And it means that we need to change the entire system to let children, to let these uh, creative potential uh, not be suppressed but uh, be developed and uh, like many people nowadays are voicing that in order to create some uh, more comfortable conditions for every person 
for the development of each person. We need to change this format of our society from the consumerist that we have today to the creative one. And so we are coming to this very important question and we want to ask you, how do you envision this creative society? Uh, where you and your family, your children, your students and like all people would live happily, safely and be happy. So a creative society is like a hive where you know it's not like you're taking something out you're putting something in but you're getting so much more back and that's the way you've got to be it, it shouldn't just be about what can i get out of this and sadly that's the way a lot of things work so if someone calls you up and says hey i have you know to talk to you about this the first thing we naturally try to think is what can i get out of this am i going to get networked am i going to get uh, paid am i going to get an opportunity, but no, it doesn't always have to be. Sometimes you put in something and it doesn't come back at that very moment. It can come back a year, a month down the line, but that is where creative society, the word that you use, creative society, gives you that strength to ensure that no matter what you put in, even if the rewards don't come immediately, you are gonna grow from it as a person. And that's where I would envision things from that point of view that, you know, people, share more, collaborate more, uh, and don't discriminate on the ideas that you hear because your way is not always the only way to do things. There are many different perspectives to things and I feel we should be open to learning. Absolutely. And uh, just to your words, uh, you, know, you know, supporting your words, the concept of creative society is not something already set. Uh, because this concept is developed by people and still being developed uh, in order to make it, you know, to implement it as quickly as possible, but also in a way which we people prefer. And exactly, uh, we did uh, social services during nine past years and talked to people, how do you envision this world? How would you like to live? And they answered, uh, generated into these eight foundations uh, of creative society that we now show, show you. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much, say technical support. And uh, people just have the same vision. Of course, there can be different details, uh, you know, but in general, basic fundamental human rights, they are all the common, all the same, because we share same values. And um, today we need to see them implemented in a practical way. But in order to achieve it, we need first to inform each other and see how do we want exactly them to be implemented. And uh, we know that you are also very passionate about education, self-development and so on. This is also our main topic today. So we would like to uh, ask you about the foundation that says about the personal development. We'll also just uh, show it um, now which says that every human has rights to uh, for self-development and there's you know all the conditions for for it for a personality and it says also that the education should be free so that uh, every human on earth no matter where he or she lives has a, access to a high quality free education and so in a way that we can take it actually everywhere i mean Maybe you have uh, your vision. How should the conditions for self-development education work in the whole world? Uh, so you see, that's interesting that you mentioned that every individual should have access to education. 
uh, sadly, we tend to look at this as some kind of a privilege when it's a basic necessity. If you saw somebody hungry, you would act. You would want to make sure that the person had something to eat or some water to drink. Similarly, when we talk about education, a lot of the problems that exist in today's society is because, you know, it's coming from a bad stream of education where people are taught, think only in this manner and do not go beyond those boundaries and accept what you've been taught rather than thinking for yourself. Access to quality education opens that perspective for a lot of people. It allows them to become better managers. It, you know, automatically brings in more fair workplace policies uh, by developing personality along with education rather than, you know, treating them binarily that you know, first you get educated and then we develop your personality. It's got to go hand in hand. And that's definitely what I feel. You also mentioned the conditions that what we also understand that um, education uh, or one simple aspect can be solved within a problem problematic that we face today in a global scale. Because as you mentioned, the education has to do also with the actual conditions for a living. I mean, if a child or family cannot afford uh, good food and living for a child, then what can we talk of, uh, I mean, uh, education, where there is no infrastructure to reach out the school uh, because it is far away or, um, I don't know, there is no transport uh, for children to go there. So this, it means that, in fact, we need to implement all these eight foundations. They cannot be implemented separately. So we need really these global solutions because economics, healthcare, it has all to do with our life and has an impact on each area of our life. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, so in fact, uh, taking back, I think we had mentioned it at the start that, you know, for many of us, education is a privilege. And, uh, you know, for some students, you'd want to tell them, do what you love, but they would not be in that position to do that. It's no fault of theirs. It's probably because society has been shaped up in such a way that they can't go ahead and take advantage of what might have been a basic thing for you and me to have grown up with choices, to have grown up with saying that, you know, I don't want to do this versus some of them saying, well, I have to do this because I have to get an income into my family, you know, two years down the line or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And sure, when education is only tied to, to the need to gain some income, it uh, loses its creative potential and it loses uh, the potential to develop people as personalities and to develop relationships. And even many researches show that relationships are the most important to every person in life. And uh, so maybe we, we would like to ask you about the quality of relationships among people and uh, the role they have in terms of our well-being and how can changes towards the creative society change uh, these relationships in education and in other spheres because as we know like uh, we shouldn't ask you only about education because you have such a like diverse background right so uh, again touching upon how creative society helps you build relationships i'll give you a simple example it's like in a school i think we use group projects quite rarely We'd normally have people, you look into your textbook and you study and you give your answers. But the beauty about a group project is that it brings about creative uh, differences. It brings about the similarities. It brings about an opportunity to learn. So when you foster education in that manner, that you want people to be open, you want everyone to give their point of view, to put their weight into a project, 
immediately the byproduct of that is you become a better communicator. Because if you want people to listen to your points, you're going to have to talk better about it. Eventually, you wind up getting better and better in putting your points across, in figuring out ways to negotiate better, to convince other people, and also to listen better, which is, I think, quality that, you know, students are told, well, don't listen, just go back and study. But when you have this kind of creative collaboration, automatically it builds the foundation for being better communicators, for being better speakers, for being better listeners. And when those students go out into the world, into the corporate world, they become better managers because they're listening to other points of view. They're listening to what is the issues with their employees. They're anticipating that, you know, there could be more than what I am seeing today. So it really all ties in that saying creativity fosters that kind of good communication and better interactions with people. There's no other way to that. Um, exactly. And the one goal uh, that we all have, uh, which is building the conditions for such a society where we all want to live, is exactly also uh, the point that unites all, all of us. Because without one goal, we will not have any direction that we all can move together. And this potential of us as humanity, almost 8 billions of people, uh, it has a huge potential to just to reach it in less than 10 years. Because it, it, it's up to us how quickly we will you know, reach this goal. And that's why I would like to ask you, how do you think we can, in fact, reach it? Um, I mean, how can we quickly inform each other about it? Uh, what need we to, do we need to do? Um, it, I think we already have a good template going. Uh, if you look at the way children look at things. The problem with us being adults is that we've already been beaten down by life a little sometimes. So we already have our preconceived notions. It's much harder to work. I mean, and I know that because, you know, we work with children. Then I do take a few programs at the college level and I come from a corporate background where I've worked with adults as well. The easiest set to go ahead and put an idea forward with and to learn with is the young learners because their minds are so fresh. Their minds are not prejudiced. You can throw an idea out at them and I'm not saying they like everything you throw, but you will get a fresh clean perspective from them saying, well, this works for this reason, or this doesn't work for that reason. It's not going to be a prejudice that, you know, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying, basis where you come from, basis the color of your skin, basis the language that you speak, the dialect that you speak. They're going to listen to you because kids are naturally curious. So that's the reason why you see a lot of programs, you know, targeting youngsters. It's because they have a great audience and you're investing in the future. And eventually they become your spokespersons. They go back home, they talk to their parents, they challenge, you know, the status quo and they say, well, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's good to judge on such and such a way. So definitely most of the investment has to be done towards the youngsters without obviously losing touch uh, with the older generations. But I always have a more positive feel when I work with children because I feel they are much more receptive. They are less prejudiced. And that, I feel, would be the building block for anything to move forward. Maybe just one more comment on it, because what we see today that uh, people are tired of negativity or of uh, destructive news or trends. And in fact, young people uh, want to be uh, helpful, want to uh, volunteer for something good. And really uh, do something you know, that makes sense in their life. 
and exactly reaching out this goal to build the conditions for everyone where our children, parents, grandparents, everyone really wants to live is a wonderful goal for a new trend, trend of creative society. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it is important like to involve, to, to give opportunities to everyone to show because everyone has has the potential and as we mentioned uh, earlier today that children you can be even more curious even more creative than adults because like we kill the creativity in them and that's why this uh, global change is needed for our society like to change like at very different levels because like the entire format should be changed and uh, to inform people and together because why, why are we informing people first of all because most of the people like we are meeting you and you said as before that you were glad to learn about the creative society because it is the way we are thinking and we are sure that there are so many people in the world who are thinking in the same direction but they may be they still may not know about this great project. And to connect uh, to people uh, better, we use this year of theory of six handshakes, as we mentioned before. And so to test uh, the rule of six handshakes, uh, we would like to ask you to name a person, maybe not one even, uh, whom you would like to invite to have a broadcast to share the vision of the Creative Society. You may even become a co-host of this broadcast. It would be great to hear you again, as you have, maybe you'll have even more ideas, new ideas. Oh, uh, so I think the one person that does come to mind, uh, who I think would be a great person to talk to, is someone who helped me make that jump from the corporate career to the teaching career. She was my first manager in uh, Citibank, actually, uh, Anumita. And I'd be glad to pass on her details to you. And Anumita, again, is a very vibrant individual, believes in, uh, you know, clear form of expressions, letting somebody come out, talk their mind, uh, despite all the structures in Citibank saying that, you know, you have to do it this way. She always gave me that freedom of expression to go and do the modules my way, teach out of the box, well, so long as we were being compliant. Uh, and I think uh, she's also been great with theater and, you know, a whole lot of other initiatives uh, that she's been doing. So I would definitely think she would be the right one who could talk and give you a perspective. And she's she's a wonderful person. She's a really wonderful person as well. I think you would enjoy talking to her as well. If she is uh, watching us now or will watch this interview later, we are very glad to hear her opinion on Creative Society and get in touch on this topic. Thank you very much. And by the way, uh, this is an open project for everyone. So if you would like to join it, it is very easy to do. Uh, you see now the website, alatraunite.com. You just need to press the button, join us, and the team of active participants will contact you. So this is very simple. And, you know, each of us is an important part of the society. It contains of each of us. And without you, Without me, you, uh, our society would be incomplete. So, dear viewers, dear friends, uh, we we really happy to see everyone and join our forces in building such a wonderful world. And there is even a point, I mean, a day and time where we can meet. And this is the 20th of March. There will be a huge conference, Creative Society, What the Prophets Dreamed Of. And we will discuss different topics. And the main focus is, of course, how to build the world we all dream of. 
So, dear Russell, thank you very much for such an inspiring interview. Thank you for your wonderful vision, for your experience, and uh, your supporting the Creative Society. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was really a good time being here today. It's a pleasure to talk to you and maybe see you again with us. Yeah, look Thank forward you. to that. Yeah. You have a wonderful day. You too. And we see each other on 20th of March. So let's uh, watch the uh, announcement of this conference. Thank you. Right. Look forward to it. Thank yeah. you. Unprecedented event of present history. Initiative that comes from people around the world. Main project of humanity. People stopped being silent about urgent issues of our society. How it all started. May 2019, International Online Conference, Society, The Last Chance. 140 countries of the world, hundreds of thousands of people online, hundreds of broadcast platforms, translated into seven languages simultaneously. If we all want to live in peace, why do we have a world of violence and destruction? It is up to us to build a different world. How can we do it? December 2020, Creative Society, United We Can, 180 countries of the world, millions of people online, thousands of streaming platforms, 35 languages simultaneously translated. People have voiced today's reality and what they truly desire. And it is the creative society. All cultures have an image of the ideal world people want to live in. A world that prophets talked about. The time has come when we can make it real. How will we use this chance? Let's meet March 20, 2021, 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time. International online event of global scale. Creative Society, what the prophets dreamed of. This is the day the world will unite to find out the truth Join the entire humanity and spread the message.